Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am on this Friday Eve. So excited to be here with you guys tonight because this is not just any Friday Eve. This is not just any old. Thursday, day of the week. No, this is actually Veterans Day, and y'all know how much I love the military as the daughter of two Marines, and I just am so excited anytime we have a special day set aside to honor the greatest of the greatest, and so we're going to do that tonight. In fact, I've got as a special guest tonight, first time on the Andrea K. Show, I've got in our Military Hero Spotlight, I've got a doctor, a gal named Dr. Sophia Debin, who actually is a Navy vet. I don't have a whole lot of Navy on, typically. i got more Marines and Army. Uh, she's a Navy vet, combat doctor from the Iraq War. She's going to be here tonight. Congressman Andy Biggs will be back, my favorite congressman. Incredible, shocking story coming out of Arizona. Wait till y'all get a load of what is happening over there in one school district. I usually save my education segments for Friday with Bob Walters. But I've got to get Congressman Biggs to weigh in on this because it's it's absolutely that incredible. Um, there was there was breaking financial news yesterday in the world that I didn't really understand, and it has something to do with with um, uh, Evergrande, something called or someone or some organization called Evergrande out of China. So I reached out to the financial thought doctor Dave Elhoff to be here to help you guys understand what it means that they defaulted on a loan. Because if you saw Twitter yesterday, when it started trending, uh, there were all kinds of, quote, experts uh, predicting that this is going to cause, you know, on top of an already difficult economic situation we've got going on here, that it might completely shatter our markets. And, And I'm not really sure what the true implications are for that. But stay tuned because Dave Elhoff will give you all the information that you need to know regarding that. Hey, I'm streaming live right now on the Facebook page for The Answer San Diego. So uh, go give us a looky over there if you're listening to me in your car on the radio and you want to kind of get get a hold and, and join in a, a conversation with the best people on the planet. They're there right now on that Facebook thread and all over my socials at Andrea K or Andrea K Show. Speaking of the best of the best. My boy DJ Potato Skins is out today and tomorrow, but have no fear because we got a spicy veggie here in his place tonight. And, of course, I'm talking about DJ Jalapeno. I am back. He is back and with the right song because he didn't have it. He didn't happen to uh, have it handy last time he was here. <laughs> I made a note of thank you for thank you for reminding us all about that. Well, hey baby, if you're going to use Return of the Mac like you're the Mac Daddy as like your signature song, then you 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 know you got to live it, okay? So. I was all set to blame somebody for stealing my song. <laughs> and then prob- at the end of the night I finally realized the reason the song was gone was operator error. Okay, shh. You're supposed to have said that it was Skins who left you in the dust, man, when he left, that he left you hanging. Um, okay, got to keep it serious. Uh, well, but I-, I wanted to give you guys before as a lead into uh, my interview with this amazing hero we're going to spotlight tonight on this Veterans Day. I'm going to give you a little history of Veterans Day because, you know, we don't teach schools, uh, teach history in our schools anymore. But I do want to give you guys before I go any further, I want to give you guys an update on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that has literally gripped this country as well. It should, because as I've explained multiple times, this trial is not really about this young man and his actions of that day. There's a reason why the prosecutors, the DA's office, filed these outrageous charges against him practically within seconds. 
And there's a reason why the president of the United States, other elected officials and the mainstream media immediately pushed out that this young man was running down the street, slaughtering people left and right as a white supremacist and a white nationalist because they put the entire country on trial here. This is a show trial. This has epic, epic implications for this country because if he ends up being found guilty, we will no longer have the right to self, self-defense. In particular, our se- this will be used to trample our Second Amendment rights, our First Amendment rights, our constitutional rights, particularly those of us of a certain skin color and those of us who identify with anything related to traditional America. So today, as everybody knows, to catch you up to speed, the prosecution's case has unraveled from day one, is completely imploded. They not, not only did they not have the evidence to support these charges, this man was completely innocent and was fighting for his life on the streets. We have the right to bear arms in this country. In Kenosha, he had the right to openly carry. And, 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 and in fact, one of, the, one of his attackers who he shot was actually an adult um, who actually was, was brandishing a weapon on him without uh, the right, uh, without the permit. So um, as we've seen the case come to its conclusion today, the defense was about to rest, and then the prosecution, which should have then wrapped things up before closing arguments and jury instructions, in the 11th hour, the judge, for some reason, allowed the prosecution to introduce a video that had been altered. There are a lot of arguments going on today about um, it's not really altering the video. It is altering the video. I'm not a tech wizard, but you can Google why uh, this video was, in fact, altered. And um, that was uh, probably my guess that this judge did not want to give the prosecution opportunity for mistrial. Uh, he didn't feel there was enough to do mistrial with prejudice, which is what would have meant that the prosecutions could not retry him. It's clear the prosecution was trying to get a, a, a mistrial without prejudice so they could retry. And I think the judge is also trying to avoid uh, that if there is acquittal, that he will have done something that would make uh, that overturned. Um, so um, in some way, uh, 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 I, don't, not, I don't know the legalities. You're not supposed to be able to try somebody try, twice in this country for murder. But the judge is trying to avoid missteps on his part. Um, I didn't like that, but we'll see. There's, there's still, you know, if we have any fair uh, courts in the country, this man will be acquitted and, and forthwith. So much so that they're concerned in Kenosha. The police department is not allowing any, any police officers to take any time off. They are ramping up for riots. Now, why would they be ramping up for riots? Because they know this man is innocent. And because they know that an acquittal based upon the evidence presented, this young man did absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, he was the victim here. And is it also because they know that when you when you lie to thousands, if not millions and millions of Americans, that this young man was a murderer, that he was a white nationalist putting a target on black people's back and the mainstream media and everybody's been lying to people, you give them the expectation that the only proper outcome is a guilty verdict, regardless of the evidence. And the evidence doesn't support that. Is that what the end game was? Not just to push out a narrative about him and put America on trial, but also create further division with riots and further slaughter in the streets? They're setting the stage for that, first off, with their lies. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, The jury will be given instructions and closing arguments will begin Monday. Okay, before we take a break, history of Veterans Day. I actually got this article, hat tip to Fox News, four things to know. Um, A lot of people are confused. What's the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day? 
Memorial Day is specifically for our heroes who lost their lives in the course of their duty. Veterans Day was actually created um, to celebrate anybody who has worn the uniform, active duty or, or retired lost their lives in, in, in battle or, um, or not. And it's, it's, to, it's to commemorate and underscore the fact, quote, that all those who served, not only those who died, have sacrificed and done their duty. It was initially um, called Armistice Day because fighting stopped during World War I on November 11, 1918. And that's why it began to be, that's what was celebrated on November, November 11 and, and initially called Armistice Day. It was changed to Veterans Day in 1954 after so many American soldiers lost their lives in WW2 and the Korean War. Um, so just a little little background there for that. Um, in the, it, the date was changed in the 60s to the fourth Monday in October to create a three-day weekend, but President Ford signed a bill in 75 returning Veterans Day to November 11. So I, always, I love history, particularly American history, and I think this is a really, really important day for this country. We are a volunteer force, and I am always humbled that we have people out there, Americans, that are literally, and to this day, signing up to literally put their lives at risk on behalf of this country, in spite of how this country is acting today with this U.S. government. We're going to take a break. We come back. I'm going to introduce you to one of these heroes who volunteered, a lady, uh, Dr. Sophia Devin. She's a Navy vet and combat a doctor in Iraq, and she will be here after the break. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show, celebrating veterans today on tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Joining me now for the first time on the Andrea Kay Show is... Uh, Dr. Sophia Deben, she's a Navy veteran and a combat doctor from Iraq. And I think if I'm right, she's the only the second female veteran I've ever had on my show. Besides, I think the only other one is JJ, Jesse Jane Duff, who we call JJD. So I'm super excited to have this amazing veteran with us tonight on our Hero Spotlight. Uh, thank you for being here, Dr. Deben. Andrea, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to spend some time chatting about my experiences. Uh, we definitely have to up your lady numbers of veterans because there are definitely a lot of them. <laughs> I know. And you know what? It's important to tell those stories because we don't hear. We, we I think the main one people know of recent war times is Jessica Lynch. I don't think we really understand or appreciate enough the sacrifices <laughs> that are made by our women, whether it's in, in a medic or doctor role or the supply chain like Jessica Lynch or beyond but let's start with and and i gotta say this even though it's going to make me sound shallow help me to understand why a beautiful woman like yourself would ever sign up for the military because you could have gone on the miss america track andrea you are so sweet and i'm going to keep that sound by i think until i die because that was (laughs) awesome um but i'll tell you there's there's probably three really good reasons uh, one reason is that my stepfather was a long-range reconnaissance personnel in the 82nd Airborne. I grew up with uh, a wool military blanket wrapped around me whenever I would have to stay home and be sick, um, and a lot of discipline. Mm. And it was really interesting for me 
that as you know as a young child obviously everyone boxed at that kind of stuff but as I grew older and and became clear that I wanted to be a physician specifically a surgeon I really appreciated that level of discipline number two and and this is probably uh dating myself a little too much I grew up watching MASH and I found something so um endearing perhaps isn't the right word but just so important to be someone that is a trained professional with a team of trained professionals in a remote location, taking care of some terrible, terrible diseases, wounds, and injuries with, with minimal resources and literally saving lives day in and day out. And then on the other side of it, you know, they were illegally making moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm so glad. Excuse me for interrupting. I'm so glad you reminded us of MASH and this incredible TV series. And I and and for some reason, it's not like on Netflix. And there's we need a whole nother generation to watch that series and really appreciate what you're talking about, because it was comedy gold. But it also educated Americans in a sense about uh, what happens in, in the field in terms of medical treatment. Of, of our military and, and what they go through and triage and, and out in the middle of nowhere. And it's absolutely astounding. Um, let's talk about Iraq. Um, and, you know, um, that, that war was criticized from the beginning before we went, in the middle, afterwards. And it, during, in the middle of it, I posed a question to Major General Bob Scales. I said, you know, for his, his uh, opinion, I said... <sighs> Do you think it's possible for Americans to support, truly support the military if they don't support the mission? I'm going to answer that in two parts. Number one, and this is a little bit of a scapegoat for me as a physician, I don't make those kinds of decisions. I've taken care of terrorists, I've taken care of rapists, and I've taken care of nuns and priests. Um, So the mission isn't so much important for me as it is taking care of people who need On the other hand, while there are missions that are perhaps a little clearer and maybe easier to get behind and others that are more controversial, ultimately in the United States, we are afforded a level of luxury, especially as a woman, Mm -hmm. that uh, I can walk down the street in whatever it is that I choose to wear or living in Miami not to wear Mm -hmm. uh, and say what I want to say when I want to say it. Um, I can pursue whatever career that I want. And that's a freedom that's afforded by the global military. And it has a series of, of missions and, and, and uh, duties that it fulfills. Some of us agree with, with some of them. Some of us agree with others. But at the end of the day, we get to go home and, and shop in a grocery store that doesn't have an armed machine gun or concern that you're going to be car bombed uh, when you're loading your groceries. And to me, that sort of global 30,000-foot view is how I approach it. I agree with that a hundred percent. It's just I've got good friends of mine that served over there, and my heart hurts for them um, when people, you know, kind of criticize the effort. And I think that I think that Americans, when it comes to politics, criticize all you want in terms of you know um, decisions that are made uh, on mission. But our military are the best of the best and um, are the greatest of of our nation. And in fact, referencing back to my interview with Major General Bob Scales, you know, he said, you think of all the all the the strife that has happened in the world since the United States of America began the solution. I'm going to get choked up here. The solution always began with a member of the U.S. military walking those streets. So whatever you think about the political mission, you've got to remember that and who our military are. 
and you were a part of that. And, you know, on this day, I celebrate you so much because I can't imagine the courage it takes to be over there for whatever reason and have to do what what you did. And then how do you come back? How do you transition from that back into civilian life? Are you haunted by what happened over there? Tell us your takeaways on, on that experience. As a surgeon, my training is relatively gory. I through from the first day to the last day between medical school and residency, which for me was nine years, you're seeing the things that are ugly in the United States, shootouts, uh, infections, terrible tumors, people who don't believe in medicine and come in on in their last days. So throughout my entire training, I had the opportunity to see much of this. The regular soldier, Marine, airman force, the first time they go over there, they don't know what that looks like. And so for them coming back, it's a radically different experience. Um, I'll tell you that when I was in Iraq, one of the things that was so noticeable to me when I came back was color. Mm. In the desert, you're far away from the ocean. So the sky is less blue. Mm. The ground is more yellow. We're surrounded by concrete blast walls, which in a bright sun of the desert looks sort of like sand and everything is very monotone as I'm sure you've seen us in our digital camis that are that same sort of neutral color. Everything's the same color. I remember coming back and walking in the grass and feeling like I had never seen the color green before because it was so vibrant and there was each blade had a slightly different shade and how the sun hit each blade. It was just, it was gorgeous. So for me coming back uh, became embracing what I had left behind walking down the street in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt instead of having to be, uh, accompanied, uh, with a weapon, uh, in a uniform, or if I had been in a civilized area, having to wear a burqa, uh, I really developed an incredible, uh, incredible appreciation for the freedoms that I was afforded. But for the men and women returning from combat, Um, It can be really, really difficult uh, leaving the combat family, leaving the intensity and the adrenaline of that life. Uh, Coming back, many, you know, many of our active duty are married and that relationship with uh, wife or husband and children has essentially been left fallow for six months and then having to reestablish those connections and bonds. And then also the trauma. PTSD is a is a powerful uh, Mm -hmm. effect and symptom of the bombing and the strife and the amputations and the missiles uh, that people are having to see on a regular basis. And it takes time. Thankfully, in the last several years of the war, they have done an amazing job of screening everyone for PTSD Mm -hmm. and implementing before anyone really had any symptoms, just everyone that was coming back got baseline treatment uh, and and, uh, psychological support and the families did. The military did a really great job of reaching out to the families before they deployed and during offering support to the spouses and to the children, sort of giving them a heads up saying, look, your, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife uh, has gone through some of these things. They may be experiencing some of these symptoms, things to watch out for. Uh, really encouraging uh, for those that are you know, Christian or, or Jewish uh, to reach out to their uh, local religious communities. Um, so the awareness of PTSD has really grown in the last, I would say, eight to 10 years. And then also, I'm sure here stateside, we've seen a lot about head injuries, just to shift the topic gently, uh, you know, uh, people playing football and contact sports and understanding what the effects of concussions can do. 
whenever a bomb goes off, it's sort of like getting a concussion if you're anywhere near it. And uh, those people will suffer things like headaches, difficulty sleeping, short-term memory loss, changes in uh, behavior, uh, arousal patterns, so how awake or how sleepy they are during the daytime. And so that level of awareness has also come through and everyone gets screened for a head injury uh, coming back and, and that gets assessed and measured. Well, I'm certainly glad that the awareness has increased, but as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and I'm the daughter of two Marines. I mean, my dad was a Vietnam vet. You know, I know that that separation and, and the sacrifice that families make, but he didn't come back with a head injury. And, and I'm sitting there and, and everything that they go through, we just don't do enough, I don't think. It's, it's, I'm happy that we're celebrating our, our, our veterans today and honoring them, but I think that we need to probably think about what, how we can do more as a nation on behalf uh, of our veterans and um, and I thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your sacrifice and what you've done for this country. And I just it just means the world to me. And I'm humbled and honored to have you here tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And, and you know, it's wonderful to hear someone like you who grew up with a parent in the military. There was a time in the United States where if you were a young man looking to make his way in the world, you buy sort of social contract were required to be a member of the military for a period of time. It was part of becoming a member of society as a man in that time period, learning how to carry a weapon, learning how to lead a battalion. Uh, And we've really lost that in our society to some extent. And obviously there's all sorts of exceptions. It's not necessarily the right choice for everyone, Mm -hmm. but I feel that um, once again, the freedoms that were afforded here in the United States, having an opportunity to see what it really takes to make that happen uh, is in many ways, I feel a responsibility of every American. Wow. Well, that just, you know, I think you're the only vet I've ever talked to who, who really talked about how it um, made you appreciate the freedoms and how hard it is uh, to make that happen. And again, I just, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to have you here and I want to have you back on a regular basis. I do, I do a lot of military segments, so we'll have you back real soon. Thank you so much, Dr. Devin. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, y'all stay tuned. Wasn't she amazing? I'm going to post the pics of her on social media so y'all can see what an absolute amazing hero she is. Stay tuned because Congressman Andy Biggs will be here next week. Bringing you 21st century common sense. It's the Andrea K. Show. Connect with the show at OurFreeNation.org. Andrea K., the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. On this Veterans Day, we are celebrating our veterans. I just enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Sophia Devon so much. What an absolute hero. And uh, joining me now is another, uh, uh, well, I don't know if I should call a congressman a hero. We have so few heroes in, in Congress. Here is one, though. We got one. is Congressman Andy Biggs, and he joins me now. Hello. Hi, Andrea. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. Well, today. thank you. You know, it, you are kind of a hero to me. We're going to talk about Veterans Day in a minute because you're one of one of the few people in Congress actually fighting for us, unlike the uh, 13 in the House and, what, 19 in the Senate voting to jack us on spending. But I do want to get your thoughts on Veterans Day before we talk about the spending. You know, Veterans Day is, is so very important to, to me personally. My, my, my grand, my father-in-law, was a World War II vet, and he just passed about a year, year and a half ago. And uh, what, what special uh, stories he would tell. I mean, he, he, was, he, he survived kamikaze attacks, Wow! Uh, everything. And then, uh, then one, of my, one of my political heroes is a local guy who um, 
was a, an airline, uh, Air, Air Force pilot, shot down, did seven years in Hanoi. His name was Larry Chesley. And uh, I read his book that he wrote when I was just a 13-year-old kid. And I said, man, this guy is something else. And then uh, I ended up getting to meet him wow. and work with him on political things. I mean, these guys, these were these fellows were heroes and, so, you know, uh, totally unassuming. Mm-hmm. You would never have known uh, what these guys went through, what courage and, you know, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, in, it, you know, it's an important day. And I, I'm sad to say uh, that some cities... Uh, you know, made it very difficult to have a veterans parade or a veterans celebration. And, and that's a sign of the times that we've gone to when we forget that these people made the sacrifice so we can enjoy the freedoms that we have mm-hmm. today. And so we owe things to our future for sure. Like, like not to, uh, you know, don't, don't put them in so much debt that we're going to go bankrupt. But we also owe something to the foundation, the people who went before us who laid the foundation so we can enjoy the society we have today, even with all its problems. Absolutely, because when I think about the sacrifices made um, by our military and even the ones that didn't die in service, I, my great-great-uncle, I think it was, was shot down in World War II, survived being shot down, and then um, was murdered by the, the Germans, um, mm. and he's buried in Normandy. A friend of mine, Jerry Bear. Um, was shot down um, uh, two weeks before John McCain in Vietnam. He managed to avoid capture, um, but, you know, uh, I can't imagine being him in in the ocean trying to shoot at the, you know, trying to, you know, shoot back and forth and uh, save himself before he was lifted up by a helicopter pilot who risked his own life. You know, these are people that what they have gone through for us is like the kind of stuff that we did. We see, we watch it in movies, right? But, and we, and we're in awe of it when we see it in a movie, but to think that there's actual Americans that go through these kinds of things for us. And yet here we are, we've got so many Americans that not only don't respect our veterans, but are actually on board, including Republicans with turning us into a socialist nation, denying us our freedoms denying us the very freedoms that they died for. There is nothing about this COVID virus that, and, and the government's reaction to it that in, has involved Republicans as well as the, uh, many Republicans, not you, but so many. There's that Every bit of the, the government response to COVID, whether it's at the local, state, or national level, has been about uh, power and tyranny. It's not about a virus. And, um, and, and we don't have anybody fighting for, for that for us besides you. So I want you to speak on, on where we're at in um in our fight for our freedoms uh and you're you're helping us fight for our freedoms on that and then also the spending bill where we had 13 republicans in the house sign on uh to spend us uh into socialism well well andrew you know this better than than most folks and i'm glad you communicated this to to your audience but we're at an existential point uh of freedom in this country where's an existential point whether this this country will continue to exist um, as a free nation. I mean, that's really it. That's the question. We, we're there. And, mm-hmm. um, and you saw it, you know, these, these, these vaccine mandates that are uh, widespread out there. Um, it, it's, it's, it is a, um, a centralization of power in Washington, D.C. And, um, and, you know, that's what's happening. I, I view the mandate as just kind of a, a, a symbolic last ditch uh, thing for freedom. We we have to see these these flames and these fires of freedom that Samuel Adams talked about, of of, of an irate minority standing up against the tyranny of, of 
of uh, this this authoritarian type of government. That's what's happening. You're seeing people stand up, but but uh, the the left is really trying to to bring control. And there's a lot of Republicans that side with them. Um, and and when you talk about the the legislation. I mean, we could talk about it from the leverage point of view. We gave up a tremendous amount of leverage when those 13 joined with the Democrats because we had actually leveraged that thing by just sitting down and, and saying, we're not going to vote for it. We're not going to vote for it. So they knew they had to have all the Democrats and they didn't get all the Democrats. Mm-hmm. They, they, they instead relied on Republicans and those Republicans are out there talking, well, you know, we're going to get roads and freeways in my district, blah, blah, blah. You know what? There were three Republican bills that would have delivered that for you. But instead, you voted for this bill that um, turns the key to unlock the the other half of this. Now, these are linked. These are linked by commentators, by the Democrats, by the left. And I'm talking about the infrastructure bill as well as this big spending bill that's coming up next week. And, Andrea, the big spending is bad, but it is the policies that are in there. I mean mm-hmm. – um, that will last beyond the spending, beyond even the deficit that they're going to create. Um, those are the Green New Deal policies that are foundationally in the infrastructure plan. They have plus the inflationary pressures from the in- infrastructure plan. For four, when you have $400 billion not paid for, you further devalue your money, and that's what inflation is. And then you throw that and add that with the 3 to $4 trillion package that is supposed to come down the pike next week or the week after andrea uh, we are we are fighting a a uh, devolution of this nation into a socialist state really i view it as more as a fascist state because these these corporations private businesses are doing the evil bidding of the authoritarian tyrants of the Biden regime. Yeah, the, the corporations need to be pushing back. You know, we've got individuals pushing back like an Aaron Rodgers or, um, you know, a Joe Rogan and others pushing back. But what we need is we need an en masse pushback by corporate America saying, no, I'm not. We need we need all of corporate America to do like In-N-Out Burger did and said, I'm not going to be the enforcement arm for your public health agency that um, is trying to enact tyranny on us through a needle. Um, you know, um, I, I think I, I read somewhere today, Dr. Simone Gold tweeted out an article that Italy has revised their numbers from COVID by 97%, that the numbers of actual deaths from COVID were no greater than the seasonal flu. Look, the COVID vi- virus was real, but the government overreach through cooking the books, um, telling us that everybody could get it equally and die from it is just simply not true. This has all been, uh, all been a, an opportunity for them to deny individual liberty and force us into collectivism, which is why they want everybody from six months and, and even unborn children to all be injected with a substance, whether or not they want it, um, through a substance that has not been properly vetted. Vaccines take years before they're properly vetted in order to be used. And these don't even work, right? We know that even, which which means that the mandate was never about anything related to science. It's all about power. Because if you're vaccinated with 80% of Californians, for example, vaccinated, it wouldn't matter who else was, was, was jabbed if these were actual vaccines. They're not. They're treatments, they're therapeutics, and they're forcing these on Americans when the other actual therapeutics that work are being denied. And we and if we don't push back on that, we're dead as a nation. But also on the flip side, equally important to that is that if we don't have Republicans somehow, some way stopping the spending, we're going to be destroyed economically. And I don't know at this point, how do we stop that spending from occurring, these spending bills? 
Well, uh, the one the one good thing that uh, I can see or a good chance of stopping is if we switch in 2022. Now, here's why. There's going to be so much money that they're, that's supposed to go out under these two bills that they will not be able to I, – I hate to put it this way, but they will not be able to spend it before we can get in and try to get some of this stopped. So we have a window. Gonna, you have a window – but it's only it's only a window because there's there's so much spending in there, they they don't have the mechanism to spend it all as fast as they would like to. It, that, it, think about that. Think how outrageous that is. And um, so, so but they, but that's how we're going to have to stop it. And um, we're going to have to you know it's it's all hands on deck. So you, Congress has got to do its best. The, the grassroots has got to do its best. And, and and we're going to need folks to litigate this stuff mm-hmm. um, be, to, to help us help us solve these problems because everybody needs to be equally yoked together, which is another reason why the 13 uh, leaving us was so disappointing, frustrating, maddening, and, and everything else you want to say. Well, follow the money. I read an article that uh, they were they were offered a lot of sweet cash from chambers of commerce around the country, so uh, into their campaign coffers. Um, but I hope that they're primaried and and run out of office. I don't have time to get into it because I wanted to talk to you about the, the spending, but I was shocked to find out that the Scottsdale School Board had a mm-hmm. smear file, an, an online dossier of parents um, uh, with everything from their so- Social Security numbers, divorce proceedings, financial records, um, all meant to um, I, calling them press conference psychos, anti-mask lunatics, SUSD wackos. Um, this is this is shocking and and frightening because clearly they want this information so that they can use it against people. This this is this is just like Mao's uh, red guards, right? Putting people through struggle yeah. sessions. It's exactly what this is about. One minute, wrap us up. Yeah, that's. We are in a cultural revolution right now, and that is the, the Chinese uh, Mao's cultural revolution. That it would happen so close to my home uh, in Scottsdale is absolutely uh, maddening. And parents are going to find out here in Maricopa County, just like they found out in Loudoun County, of the abuse that's going on at these school districts. This is, what, And I'll just close by saying, this is why Republicans have got to get out and win down ticket, down mm-hmm. ballot races to take these institutions back. It's the only way we're going to get those institutions back so we can save the country is at the local and state level, in my opinion. Well, Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you for, for being here as always. I appreciate you so much, all the efforts that you're making for our freedoms. I wish you had more people uh, in Congress working with you on that. But we, that's what we got to work on. We got to get some more people in there with, with Congressman Biggs to help him out and help us push us over the over the winning line for our freedoms. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. All right. Now, y'all stay tuned because the Financial Thought Doctor is going to be here just after this next break. Get more from the Andrea K Show at OurFreeNation.org. Just search Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, saving the best for last, babies. I got the financial thought doctor here, Dave L. Hoff, who's not just the financial doc- thought doctor, by the way. He's also a U.S. veteran here on Veterans Day. Hello. How are you, my friend, Dave Elhoff? I'm doing great, AK. Thank you very much. Acknowledging the veterans. 
Well, um, anything that you want to say on this Veterans Day about uh, your time in service, uh, the U.S. military, uh, anything related to that? Floor is yours, baby. I'll tell you, it was the best decision I ever made was going into the Navy. Okay. I'm sure there's some Marines out there who might, you know, disagree with you Marines, on that. Choice. Well, <laughs> I don't care if it's Navy, Marines, Army, or Coast Guard. I suggest anyone that it will be the experience of their life. They'll change their life yeah. for the better if they serve. Yes. Um, I chose not to serve because I felt like I already had as a family member. Um, I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> um, back and forth to Camp Lejeune. About, anyway, um, uh, but it is a special community, um, whether, you know, even for the families of, of the military, even if you're not the one wearing uh, the uniform, it's just, it's a special thing. And I'm honored to be the daughter of two Marines. I have a long, a lot of uh, military family, including a cousin who who went through ROTC in high school and college. This is funny. He was going to be one of the paratrooper, parajumpers or whatever, the people who jump out of planes. First jump, he broke both of his legs and then he's like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. So anyway, <laughs> he ended up you behind a desk. on a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, I wanted you on tonight because I there's this, I have to keep even pulling up the email that I sent you, Evergrand. What the stink yes. is Evergrand? I'm seeing all these tweets yesterday that they failed. Uh, they um, uh, they didn't honor a deadline on. They defaulted on a loan, and then there's all these tweets yesterday that this is going to destroy our markets. What do we need to know about Evergrand in China? Well, I'll tell you what you need about Evergrand is you need to know about China. Number one, they've had nine percent GDP growth for the last 25 years in a row. How do you do that? Well, number one, you do nothing for 1,000 years, and then you borrow everybody else's technology. So going forward now, you look at China and what has happened there. In 1982, Deng Xiaoping, he decided to open up the markets a little bit, and that's what caused all the growth in China. It wasn't communism. It was capitalism. But what's happening today is that the current ruler of China, he wants to cut down on all this stuff because there's inequality. Where'd that come from? Communism. Communism has never worked and it never will. And if you take a look at what has gone on with China, and you look back and look at Japan in the 1980s, they're going to take, overtake the world economically. What happened? Well, in 1989, their stock market peaked, and it never recovered. Also, what you don't know is that the people in the working place hit their max. And ever since, it's been a declining population going in. And the same thing has happened to China today. China are meeting their max of people that are able to go to work because of their one-child policy. It's coming back to bite them big. Because they don't have working people. From now on, it's a declining working force. And that's what happened, is that you take a thousand years that they've done nothing, Mm -hmm. and they've had an increasing working force up to now, and increased productivity. 
that's how they're able to do 9% for the last 25 so now years. That's, so what, what's the implication for us with this? Is this opportunity for the U.S. if we do some smart things in terms of creating a better uh, you know, uh, business environment, which is not going to happen with the Democrats in charge? Um, you know, what, what, what do, um, and the what does the average American need to know here in, in terms of our money and what we should do with it? Here's what they need to know is that number one, this is a minor problem compared to more serious problems like immigration, immigration pro- policy, mm-hmm. uh, the potential for politicians to pass 4.5 trillion in new spending and big tax hikes, a desire to move forward towards socialism in the U.S., inflation, a potentially tightening Fred, Delta variant, the debt ceiling, or the fact it's been so long since there's been a correction, and that's spooking the market. Those are much bigger problems than what's going on in China. Okay, so it's we've got more issues domestically with our economic policies than what happened over there with this company that just defaulted. Um, Well... Well, we've only got about a minute left. You 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 piqued a lot of people's interest with this idea of velocity of money. Um, that instead of your money being passive, you know ways to get it. To, uh, you know, like f- moving it five times. Um, how do people? How do people get a hold of you and make that happen? I know. So I heard from somebody who said they texted you. Um, they were waiting to get their booklet or something from you. Tell everybody what they, they need to do. They got it. We're in touch, and I'll tell you something is that the movie is out now. Oh, okay. And what they need to do is text me at 619-548-0965 with their phone number and their email, and I will get them the code. It costs $29.95 if they try to do it on their own, but through me, they'll get it for free. So it's 619-548-0965. Text me that you want to see the movie. The other thing is you can also email me at Dave at com. This movie is fabulous. I'm going to send it to you, AK, this week. Okay, good, because I want to see it and, and t- so I can tell everybody about it. It's The Baby Boomer Dilemma. You've been teasing it out for a while, man, and I'm glad we're finally able to have people see it um, because right now with all this spending happening, people need to need to get educated on what, what's going on and what they can do with their money. Uh, thank you for being here, Dave Elhoff, Financial Thought Doctor, and thank you for your service. All right, Kay. All right. Thank have a you good. very much. Love thank you, man. Love you, too. All right, and love all of you out there, especially you veterans and all the sacrifices that you have made for us and for our nation and your families, too. Thank you to my guests tonight. See you all tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out.